0: You are listening to Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. I love that, Tyler. Woohoo! Pastor Charles, you remember him? He used to go, boom, baby! When you had the anointing. Hey, as they're... Passing out the offering buckets. I still have Thanksgiving on the mind. I'm just real thankful for all that God has done. I want to give you an assignment. I want you to either tap the person in front of you or the person behind you and tell them a favorite memory that you have of Thanksgiving. Okay? And then uh, we're only going to do it for 30 seconds. And even those who are online, I want you guys to text somebody. Okay? You're not getting out of this. Well, and then tell them a memory that was not so good. Okay? Like for me, My aunt lived in Tulare, and we used to always go over there, all my dad's family, and there was like 35 that would go over to her house, and we'd have Thanksgiving together. Then after we'd eat, all the kids would go out and play basketball, or they would play football. Man, I had such fond memories. My not-so-favorite memory is when we hosted it at my house, and it was my turn to do dishes. Do you know how many dirty dishes 35 people make? And my aunt's. We're like, Roger, we'll help you. And my dad was, no, no, no. It's his turn to do dishes. He can do them. I still have to forgive him for that, okay? So right now, take 30 seconds and share with someone that you didn't come with a favorite memory and a not-so-favorite memory. Next month, it'll be Christmas, you know, favorite memory. Hey, as a, as a kid, I made a, man, when you turn people loose here, they just go for it. Yeah, it's great. As a kid, I made a commitment to Christ as a young boy, okay, eight years old, and in that age, there, were, there was a scripture that really caught my attention. And I really meditated on that, even as a little boy. And it was the Great Commission. Do you remember when Jesus had risen from the dead? He met with his disciples. And just before he ascended, okay, in Matthew chapter 28, it says, Jesus told them, all authority has been given to me. And then he said, you go and make disciples. Of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and I am with you always even to the end of the ages his spirit is still here and he's still calling his believers his followers to share that Great Commission you know if you're in the military and you're commissioned to do something is that just a suggestion if you want to do it go ahead if you don't no, it's a command the Great Commission is a command for believers to share their faith, okay? In Luke, actually Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, he also wrote the gospel, of, or the gospel of Acts, the book of Acts, okay? And in the first chapter there, he talks about Jesus ascending, and he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. When the Spirit comes upon you, you have been commissioned to share. Now, that's not an easy thing to do, is it? To share your faith? Because he says, I want you to go from Jerusalem, which is local, and then I want you to go to Judea, Samaria, and then to the remotest parts of the earth. And God is calling us to step out of our comfort zone. Do you know when I was in uh, graduate school, I was taking psychology at the Mennonite Seminary, and one of my professors, um, I would always bug him, asking him lots of questions. Okay, And finally, uh, asking him one of those questions, he said, uh, Roger, let me break down what therapy really is. He said, therapy is you. Can I come through here? Therapy is you. Being willing to step into somebody else's world, build a rapport, and together walk out to the truth of God's grace. I'm gonna stop here. Okay? Yeah. Hey, how you feeling with me standing this close? Okay, one of the one of the things that the point that I'm making here is when you step into somebody else's world, it's not always that comfortable. In fact, to me, it's kind of weird. And I almost didn't do it, okay, because I felt like God told me to do this as an object lesson, okay, and I almost didn't do it because I be like, "It's going to make people feel uncomfortable with me this close, you know. And I feel like God said to me, what makes you think I want you to do it for them? You know what it does to you to step into the uncomfortable place? It is hard to share your faith, isn't it? And that's what God is calling us to do step outside your comfort zone are you guys over there you you okay back over there in the corner with me asking people here because you know if you're sitting close by me i'm going to ask you to stand up and share a testimony or to pray for someone and okay you're, you're okay with that aren't you okay do you know what the number one fear in life reported is public speaking Okay? So if you guys are okay, I'm going to be over there in a minute, and I'll, I'll spread the mic around there, and you could stand up. We have anyone that wants to stand up and give praise to God, that wants to share a brief... That's a hard thing to do, okay? but that's what God is calling us to do. That's what witnessing is, being willing to step in to somebody else's world, build the rapport, and together walk out are we doing, church? I'm going to share a message that is not an easy message. I'm a therapist, okay? And so this is going to be a therapy session, okay? It's one of those that's difficult. And I am, uh, I'm going to share from the book of James. Do you know that James is, most theologians think it was the first book in the New Testament to be written? Matthew's not the first book to be written. It's in the first book in the New Testament, okay? But they believe James was the one who wrote the first book, and it was a letter that was to be sent out to the churches, okay? And as you go out, my son just left on a mission trip. My son, man, that kid goes everywhere, all over the world, in very difficult places, very threatening places. He's in Albania right now, Okay? He went there, and before he left, the one thing that his mom and I said to him, please be careful. Please be careful. I think that is what James is saying to the people he's writing this letter to. If you were to look, the first point I want to make, your faith will be tested. James 1, 1 through 8, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. You guys know who the 12 tribes are? Jacob in the Old Testament had 12 sons. Those 12 boys became the the leaders, the patriarchs of the Israelite people. They became the leaders of the tribes. So when he refers to the 12 tribes, he's talking about those sons and the families that they have spurned and their offspring, okay? And that is the 12 tribes. And when they came into the promised land, they gave portions of land to these 12 tribes. So he's saying to them, to the, the Lord Jesus, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. They have been scattered. Persecution has happened. Do you know when Jesus was crucified and left, they tried to squash what he had done, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were threatened by what Jesus was doing. Rome was threatened by them. And so this persecution arose for Christian people. And they scattered. They left and they went all over the known world to avoid the persecution. That's who he's writing here to. Now, um, they didn't have Facebook back in those days, okay? they didn't have computers. They didn't have, you can't text one another. They would. A scribe would write the letter, and then one person would have to take it all over the known world. So that's this letter that's being written right here. And he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Hallelujah, huh? Isn't that a good word? Consider it joy when you encounter various trials. How many of you would like me to release Trials upon you, difficulties, just all kinds of problems, all kinds of tensions. If you would like me to release that, stand up and I'll pray for those trials and the negative things to be blessed. That doesn't make sense, does it? And he's saying, consider it pure joy. He's writing this letter to people that have been sent all over the world. And the tendency is to deny yourself and your convictions and just kind of fit in. I don't, I don't want to cause too many struggles. I don't want to cause too many problems. So I'll just kind of deny what I believe just so I can fit in so nobody, I don't seem weird and, you know, people don't call them. He's saying, no, don't do that. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God Will test you. Why? So that you can grow. I'm constantly telling people in my office that if you don't have another struggle from here on, you won't grow any more than you are right now. That is how we grow in life. Facing and working through the struggles, the trials, the difficulties. That's what brings growth. But we, we want to avoid it, God. You must not be God because I'm going through these different. No, God brings the trials to cause growth. I don't want that. He's telling them, these people, there's going to be trials that are going to come your way so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. compromise to just kind of give in. There's a a concept called the Stockholm Syndrome. You guys ever heard of that? Okay. Uh, probably the best example that I remember in 1974, Patty Hearst was abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army and she was held and they wanted several million dollars ransom. Okay. That they, they held her. It was about a month or so after they had taken her captive that she appeared on a TV video in a bank, and she had joined the Symbionese Liberation Army, and she was now holding others hostage. She was one of the ones with the guns threatening other people. She had, in order to survive, I just will compromise, and I'll give in to the other persons what they believe, what they think. Isn't that kind of what we do at times? I don't want to be vocal about my faith. I'll, I'll just keep quiet, and hopefully no one will say anything. No one, hey, guys, this is going to be a difficult message because this is God challenging us because I do believe that there are great things that are happening even in our community, and God is using this church. He is releasing people, but he can't do it without you. You have to choose to take that step of faith. And that's what he is challenging these people who have been scattered abroad. These difficulties are going to come. You need to know it. You got to be willing to step into it and look for the growth that comes through the struggles, through the trials. That's how we grow. And most of the time, we want to blame God and not praise God. Ooh, For the trials, isn't that what he says? Consider it pure joy? God will test you. God will not tempt you. God will not tempt you. Again, in 1, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There is a process that happens, he says, if you begin to compromise, the enemy will take that, and I'm going to use that to drag you down, to keep you ineffective. Statistically, in this church, we're talking the church, Half of the men here struggle with pornography addiction. Ooh. Look to the right, to the left, okay? Statistically, one of those guys is struggling with pornography addiction. Ooh, let, let's, not, let's not talk about that, you know. This is what he is saying, okay? That, that will give birth to sin, and it will render you ineffective and destroy your faith. Now, we have support groups for people even with pornography addiction. There's one that meets on Tuesday nights. Guys, if you're struggling with that, the church does not keep roll of that. Nobody knows that you'll be coming to that group. It'll just be you and those men that are in that group. Okay, and lest I forget, uh, statistically 30% of the women in here are too. It's more with men though, okay? But it can be alcohol addiction. You know, we have an AA group that meets here on Tuesday nights, Okay. If you give in to it a little bit, it gives birth. It becomes a process. And that's what he's saying, guys. When you go out into the world, the enemy is going to try to come through the weak place, and he's going to try to cause compromise and get you to give in to compromise what God is wanting to do in your life. He says, beware of that, because that will lead to sin and eventual spiritual death. Okay, God is calling us to a higher standard, the word was given, you know, the Lord's coming back soon. And he's looking for a body of believers who are prepared and surrendered to him and sharing their faith. He's looking for those in these latter days. God will not tempt you. You're dragged away by your own desires. All right, so what does faith require? I told you, this is not an easy, this is the therapist in me, and I get to give the hard messages, okay? What does faith require? Faith requires physical actions. Listen to this, guys. This isn't me writing, okay? This is, this is James. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith It's not enough to come to church on Sunday morning, church. Not enough. He says, faith without works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Just believing in God, even the the demons believe that. And they quake. They shudder at that. So that doesn't set you apart, okay? Now, lest you uh, become confused, I works do not save you. He's saying faith and works. I believe if you have a faith, there's going to be examples of it in your actions. There will be fruit in your actions. In the 12-step groups. You know the last step in the 12-step group is giving back. I do, and I say this all the time. I don't believe you own something if you can't give it away. If you're not sharing your faith, you don't own it. If you're not giving it away, you don't own it. How are we doing, church? Are we sharing our faith with those at work? with our neighbors, with our, this is what God is calling us to in these latter days. We're at the end of time. These these are souls that are going to spend eternity one place or the other. And we have the opportunity to share that. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. God is calling us in these latter times to step out. I call them divine appointments. Okay? Now, usually at the end of a service, we have people pray and come forward that want to accept Christ or pray in for healing. And we will do that too. But today, I'm going to be challenging people. How many of you are willing to have a divine appointment and will be faithful when that occurs at work to step into that and to let God use you in those divine appointments? And they will happen. If you have a faith in Christ, God's going to open opportunities. They're not always easy. We want it to be easy. I want it to feel good. God isn't calling us to a feeling. He's calling us to obedience. And there will be situations that will come up. (laughs) I remember my wife and I used to travel with the Celebrant Singers years and years ago. We, We used to sing with them. And we would do concerts and then at the end of the concert they would have altar calls and just hundreds of people would come forward. We were in Bangor, Maine. And we did this altar call and I don't know why. I'm always the one that got the difficult people, okay? And so I come up. This guy is really disturbed, and I'm like, hey, you know what? We have a prayer room. Can we go? I want to take him. I want to spend some time with you alone, okay, in this prayer room. So we go in this prayer room. He sits down and puts a gun on the table. He said, I just caught my wife in bed with another man. And I went and got a gun, and I'm on my way to shoot them. He said, but when I got the gun, I was headed over there, and I ran into my mother-in-law. And she was coming to this concert, and she asked me if I would drive her to this concert. So he said, I drove her to the concert, and I came in with her, and I listened to your music. And he responds to the altar call. And he goes, "What your God got for me? With a gun on the table. Now, I believe, listen to this, everything you go through is preparation for what God is taking you to. Church, everything you go through is preparation for what God is taking you to. I had a man that came up and shared after the church that said he just lost his wife, okay? And how can God use that? Do you think God can use the death of a spouse to help others? If you're willing, he can. He'll take whatever, and he'll use it for his glory if you're willing. But your will is the key. You have to choose to do that or not, okay? I, the man with the gun, I took the gun led that man to a sinner's prayer, gave the gun to the pastor and asked the pastor, is there a couple of men that could take him and just kind of mentor him and be an accountability person for him?" He's like, absolutely. I'm going to plug him in with a couple of men. And he did. He took him. Now, everything you're going through is preparation to what God is taking you to. Do you know couple of years ago, there was a woman who went to the park by my office and was going to shoot herself, was going to commit suicide. Somebody at the park recognized what she was doing, sat down, was talking with her a little bit, and he knew of me and my office. Just to, So he brought her over to my office. So this woman sits down, puts her gun on the table. Oh, man, deja vu, huh? Do you know that God used this stuff before to prepare for now, so that you don't shrink away, that you don't have fear. The, the Bible is full of examples like that. Do you remember the story of David? David is out watching a sheep, and as a lion comes in, he has to kill that lion to protect his sheep. Then a bear comes in, he has to kill that bear to protect his sheep. It isn't long. Afterwards, the Philistines come to do battle against Israel. David's still a kid, and his brothers have all gone off. His dad tells him, hey, I want you to take this chunk of cheese and go find your brothers and give this cheese. I guess they needed some protein, okay? And let me know how the battle is going. He goes out there, and Goliath is out there cursing God, cursing the armies of Israel, taunting them, telling them, why should you all die? Find one man. One man to come out here and fight me. And now, the Bible puts Goliath between 9 and 10 feet tall. Woo. This seasoned, massive giant is out there taunting the armies of Israel. Nobody wants to fight him. Nobody. David finds his brothers, and he's giving them this cheese, and he hears Goliath out there cursing God, and he's like, in the world is, who does he think he is cur- cursing my I'll fight him I'll fight him I'll, I'll take his head off okay his brothers are like shut up go home you troublemaker yeah we know what you're here to do somebody hears David and so they go in and they tell the king there's a kid out here that says he wants to fight Goliath he's bring him in here so they bring David he's not even old enough to be in the army okay he says what makes you think that you are capable Facing this giant, this seasoned warrior, and representing the armies of Israel. What makes you think you're capable of that? He says, do you know, sometime back, a lion came in to attack my sheep. He says, I killed that lion. Then a bear came in. He says, I killed that bear. That uncircumcised fool, he ain't no different than that lion and that bear. I will cut his head off today. And he goes out there okay, to face Goliath. And you all know the story. Okay? He takes his sling, whew, embeds a rock right in his forehead, knocks him out. He takes his sword, cuts his head off. Say, Tell me something, church. Why did David have to face a lion and a bear? To prepare him for Goliath. Everything you go through is preparation for what God is going to take you to if you allow him. It's all growth. You don't grow if you're not willing to work through the struggles. The div- that's, where, that's where growth comes from, facing and working through trials, difficulties. I was with the, the celebrants, and we were getting ready to fly out from New York to Tehran, Iran. We, we spent a couple of weeks in Tehran singing, okay? sharing the message of Jesus in Iran. But before the night before we left, We had done a concert in a Catholic church, and afterwards, our host, they took us home. All the priests came to our host's home just to talk, and we needed to go to bed, but they're talking, and then one of the priests came up, and he says, hey, can I talk to you? Sure. So we go in the other room, and we have a confessional, only it's not me to him. It's him to me. And my wife, he starts sharing the struggles, the temptations, the difficulties that he's going through, and he's sharing it with us. And I'm thinking, why is this priest sharing this with me? I know why. He knew, I'll never see you again, so I don't have to worry about you, okay? But he's in there until 2 o'clock in the morning. We are listening to this confession that's going on. I'm like, why? Why is this? Why is this happening? What's it preparation for? I was with my wife and son a couple of years back, and we were at the coast, we had decided to take a day off, and we're, you know, between Cayucas and Cambria, there's a little town Harmony, okay? And across the way, just up a bit, there's a place you can park and take a hike. Okay? It's a one or two mile hike that takes you around the hill and you come out and you come out to the ocean. Gorgeous, okay? And there's all these rocks. That are out there and the waves are coming up, and it's just I'm sitting out there and I'm just having an encounter with God with the with the waves and just enjoying the presence of God. And my wife and my son said, Hey, we want to continue on. I said, Go ahead. You guys continue on. I'll just I'll just wait here, okay? Because I just am being moved by God. I'm being touched by God. So they leave. A few minutes go by, and I'm just sitting there by myself. And this woman says, excuse me, can I talk to you? What? Can I talk to you? She said, I've got a lot of issues going on in my personal life, and I am so afraid. I need somebody to talk to, and I just kind of sense that you're a safe person. Is it okay if I talk to you? I'm like, do I have my therapist shirt on? (laughs) How does she know I'm a therapist? You know, she doesn't. She just said, and so I sit there, and we talk about the difficulties in her life. And then I get to pray with her. And then about that time, my wife and son come back, and I introduce this woman to them. And she says, I don't want to take any more of your time. And she leaves. And my wife's like, who was that? I'm like, I don't know. Just a, a stranger, total stranger comes up. Will you? Can I talk to you? Why would God do that? Why would God want to do that? A total stranger. Last year, I uh, I go to the water purification place on Fargo and Tenth Avenue. You know where that water purifier place? There, that's where I fill up for work. The bottles, the water bottles. And I'm in there, and I fill up the water bottles. <clears throat> when I get through, I'm putting them in my truck, and I'm getting ready to leave. And I hear this voice. Excuse me. Can I talk to you? Is this woman? I thought she was a beggar, okay, because she really looked distraught. And I was like, I don't have any money, you know. I can't give her, you know. And she says, I've been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And my doctor told me that I don't have long to live. There's not much they can do for me. And she says, I am frightened. I am so afraid. She said, I can just sense that there's something about you. And would you pray for me? Divine appointments. You ever have divine appointments like that? Okay? I am going to pray in a bit for that. It's a cool thing. I had in the first service, I prayed for people to stand up that wanted a divine appointment this week. And so not everyone does, okay? But people stood up. And then right before the second service started today, this woman came up. Can I talk to you? She said, I stood up to have one of those divine appointments, those divine encounters, and she said, when you said amen, my uncle, who I haven't talked to in years, was here and put his hand on me and asked if he could talk with me. And she said, we had a divine appointment here this morning. She says, we've set up times where we're going to, I haven't talked to him in years because of family problems. She said, we're taking the first step toward reconciling a divine appointment that quickly, that quickly. Do you know our faith takes actions? You've got to step into it. You've got to do something. In 1990, there was a, a song by the Christian Music Association was de- declared the number one song. Christian song in 1990. I used to sing a lot, okay? Back in the day, I would go to churches and sing. I would go to breakfasts and lunches and sing, and wherever anyone let me, I'd sing, okay? This is one of the songs that I sang back then. I dreamed I went to heaven And you were there with me We walked upon the streets of gold Beside the crystal sea, we heard the angels singing. Then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man. And he was smiling as he came. He said, friend, you may not know me now. Then he said, but wait. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you. For giving to the Lord, I am so glad you gave. It says, then another man stood before you and said, remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry? You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. And Jesus took the gift you gave. And that's why I'm here today. Thank you. For giving to the Lord. How many people have been significant in your life that you've watched? Okay, even here, I think of Phil and Judy Bonzac over here. I've watched them give and give and serve and sacrifice over the years. Thank you. Thank you for giving. About 40 years ago, the founding pastor of David Holliday, challenged people in the service. Get together with several people and form a prayer group. And I want you to pray for one another. I want you to pray for the needs of the church. I want you to pray. These are intercessory prayer groups. Well, he never asked us to quit. Bruce Hotchkiss and Ernie Drury still come and pray with me for 40 years. Thank you. For giving to the Lord. What part do you play in people's lives? You know, the Bible says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, okay? How do you store up treasures in heaven? The souls of people. That's what matters. Stuff doesn't matter. It's people that matter. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. The little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry i am almost sure there were tears in your eyes as jesus took your hand and you stood before the lord he said my child look around you for great is your reward thank you for giving to the lord i am alive That was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Faith requires words of encouragement. Remember who he's writing to. These are people that have been persecuted, that have been scattered all over the known world. He says, faith requires words of encouragement. In chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, it says, but no human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, it shouldn't be this this way. My office is full of married couples who are just angry at one another, and they say ugly, hurtful things to the glory of God. He says that is not faith. That's you being enticed by your own unmet expectations. All anger comes from unmet expectations. Can you surrender your expectations to God? Step into the fullness that he has and let him use you to make a difference in the lives of others. That's what God is calling us to, church. And we are at the end of the ages. Time is soon coming to an end. How's your neighbor? They know the Lord. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does faith produce? Faith produces wisdom and peace. Faith produces wisdom and peace. He's writing to these people that have been scattered all abroad. In chapter 3, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility That comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will have disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Faith in God produces peace and wisdom to go and to share what God has called us to do. How many are willing to be used of God with one of those divine appointments? The last point that I'm going to make, because we're almost out of time faith produces dependence on God. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Ooh. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brother and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I'm reminded of a scripture in Philippians. It says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Have this attitude. He's talking about humility. If you're going to be successful in sharing your faith, it has to come out of a heart of humility and surrender to God. And God, use me. These are the divine appointments. So I'm going to ask, okay? Now, I don't want you to stand if you're not sincere about this. But if you are willing to let God... Bring a divine appointment. I don't know that it's going to be as quick as that woman who got her answer like that. But this week, if you are willing to let God use you in a divine encounter, I want you to stand to your feet. Now, I don't want you to stand. Okay, You don't have to stand if you're not moved by that. But if you are willing to let God use you this week, this week, I want to surrender and let God. I want you to stand because I need to pray over you right now. Father, you see those who are standing and you know their heart, Lord God, that they want to take a step of faith and they want to be used by you and they are willing to even go into the world of somebody else and build that rapport and then together to walk out into your light. I pray for the wisdom, the discernment, the anointing, the covering to be upon them, Lord God. And that this week, you will give each person that's standing right now a divine appointment, that they will have someone, and they will know it. This is my divine, divine appointment. This is what Roger prayed for and that God has called me to this week. I pray, Lord God, that you would just release your spirit and that there would be even more of an outflowing into our community that we would find the boldness lord god to share our faith our love our commitment to you i pray that over each one that's standing in jesus name amen amen now if you are here and you don't know the lord or you're wanting to make a recommitment we're going to ask the prayer teams if they would come up these are the people you can come and you can pray with now and they will lead you. If you need to know Jesus for the first time, you can pray with them. Or if you need prayer for healing, if you need some kind of specific prayer, you can come forward and they will meet with you now. Father, I just release you can stand to your feet. Father, I release each person now. I pray that you would use us this week and that your glory, your anointing. Your fullness would be dispensed throughout our community. And just as you have commissioned the disciples long ago, there's a recommissioning today to take my word where it's held lightly and it's dark. Take it in, take the light into a dark place and let it shine. May God shine. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times, including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Visit our website at kchanford.com, Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.